Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by John McKenna. Hi, everybody. Alex Bonilla. Hello. And Steve Zek. Hi. So today we'll be discussing what is, in my opinion, the best animated film of 2017, The Breadwinner. It's now available on Netflix, so you guys have no excuse. Watch this movie. But if that is still not enough to convince you, uh, we will be having a brief non-spoiler discussion before diving into spoilers. Because yes, in order to talk about this movie in depth, we need to talk about spoilers. Um, you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes, where we appreciate your star ratings. Or search for Overly Animated on your favorite podcatcher. So I just want to start off by asking you guys, did you like this movie? Um, John, let's start with you. I liked it. It was a good, it was a compelling story. It, it was a great, it was, it was about this really tough time in Afghanistan's history that doesn't get as much sort of play anymore ever since at least, you know, ever since the, you know, 2001 when the Taliban were eventually kicked out. But it does... But it was, you know, it, it had a great character. The characters are really good. Uh, I thought the animation really had that great uh, sort of like Middle Eastern quality. The flashbacks really looked like they came out of a book. So I really liked the blend of styles they had. Um, in terms of the plot, the plot was definitely okay. I, I'm i not sure. It was, I still felt like it was missing something. I'm not sure, like a real big conflict, maybe like more filled in sort of backgrounds but aside from that you know it was good it was all right for me cool cool uh alex what about you it was definitely a very mesmerizing film to watch it, it never really got my attention distracted throughout the entire thing which was a bit of, of a surprise considering the longer than i expected runtime of the movie but yeah just the, the it, it's a very overwhelming sense of dread at times just not you, you never get the sensation that, oh, this is just going to end in a happy ending no matter what, like you, you would with most animated films. It's it definitely one that keeps you hanging. Uh, I, I do think it's not a totally consistent film, especially in certain parts, but the once you get to the climax, you, you're all in, and I think that that final like 20 minutes is probably... Oh, one of the probably the best part part of this movie and just all in all it's a very emotional at times uh, film to watch um i'm curious you said that it seems it's longer than you expected but it's only 90 minutes how long did you think it was oh really i mean yeah. it, it, it it felt like one hour 45 one hour 50 so but also i'm saying like it it's not consistent at times so maybe there are parts that dragged a little bit more for me then <laughs> now that we're putting that out of the way but yeah that the ending is like where it, it just it all comes together but I, I do think along the way there are parts that maybe feel a bit rockier than others gotcha gotcha steve what about you did you like this movie oh i like this movie a lot it went by fast 90 minutes went by pretty fast for me i love how they kind of mixed in the uh Store the, the stories, the short stories within the movie. I mean, I mean, that's why I felt so short. And um, for a movie though, I knew it was it was it's definitely more grittier than say like a similar movie like Mulan, which had sort of a similar premise. And I knew it wasn't going to like change the world, like the plot wasn't going to be she's going to change the way they do things. But I was expecting it to be a little more darker than it really was. Um, without. I don't know so much I can say without going to spoilers. When we go into spoilers, I'll mention more what what I expected, but that's a fine movie. I liked it. And, you know, it's, it's a movie Beatrice likes, so... And you know what a tough credit Beatrice is? You are Beatrice, so if, if you like it, it's got to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, movies are subjective, but um, I, I appreciate your vote of confidence. I, I will say that I adore this movie, Maybe it's because I am I'm like Arab. I I am a woman, and seeing like very blatant misogyny, being familiar, like seeing an animated film, especially in the context of 2017, where it wasn't a spectacular year for animation. This film does something and brings something to the table that no other film of that year did. 
And I just, and I did see it in the theater. I didn't, like the first time I watched it was in a movie theater. So I saw it in a big screen. I was practically the only person in the theater. Um, So maybe that's also part of why I wasn't going into this, expecting this incredible thing. I just went in and was blown away by it. Um, So yeah, I'm surprised that I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I do think it does have certain things that it doesn't do perfectly but in terms of uh in the context of 2017 I thought this was just like by far the great like the greatest thing even just simply because it offers it dares to do things and tackle things that no other movie even Coco just doesn't try to do so I find it interesting that I got that most that some of you have some such a kind of like a tepid kind of reaction to it all right so before we go into spoilers i just want to ask because a girl wants to dream what are the chances it's going to win an oscar or is coco just going to take it because it's pixar um alex alex were you you were in the coco podcast right correct like what what do you what are the chances i mean realistically five percent maybe ten percent just because this is a movie that like not many people have seen like this is a movie that i think at its mats was like at 50 theaters nationwide and so it just doesn't have the the mainstream recognition that that coco has Uh, if the oscars were on merit or of quality i think it would be a much closer raise but yeah if we're just going by realism it it would be a massive upset if it were to take down a Coco, especially with just the fact that Pixar hasn't won an award in several years, so maybe the Academy feel, oh, okay, here's a good one. It's time to give them it again or whatever. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, John, Steve, any thoughts on the Oscar race before um, we move on? I'm probably not the right person to ask, since I'm very disgruntled towards award ceremonies coming off the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, so I'm very jaded. But the Oscars at times though can be they like to do things. Against the mainstream at times, they like to like show how much smarter they are than the uh, than the public. So you never know; it could win something, since a lot of people haven't seen it. So uh, maybe, maybe John, what about you? <laughs> well, it has. Gra- it actually, it's already grabbed a couple of awards. Actually, yes, that it is won true. best in the, at the Annie's. It won best independent animated feature. So that's that, that's 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 a good thing to take to take with them. But. Uh, yeah, I, I am a bit, definitely a bit jaded about this. I know when it comes to Best Picture, the Oscars love the sort of uh, not quite in the spotlight Indie Awards. Moonlight won last year, for example, yeah. and and and, and if I have my way, uh, Lady Bird would win this year. But the in terms of animation, I really feel like they almost def- they don't give it the same sort of credence to independent films like they do to the regular Best Pictures. So I I, I don't want a, a Disney Disney to walk away with another award. I do think this deserves. I do think this deserves it because it is captivating, compelling, and challenging. But yeah, I'm with Alex. I give it a five to ten percent chance at tops to win. I hope um, so. Um, I have a question for you, Beatrice. If you know, you say it was based on a novel. Yes. Was there a sequel novel? Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it was a no. one-off or if it was a part of a series of yeah, books. If it could be any sequels. Oh no, I don't know. If the, I don't know if there'll be sequels to this. There might be, but I don't. I don't think so. Usually, the studio tends to do one-off films because they're still they're from the same studio as like Song of the Sea, right? So, um, I don't think I have yet to see that studio do a sequel to things. So I'm not sure if they will. But um, but yeah, okay. So we're gonna move into spoilers now. We're gonna do our deep dive into uh, this movie to answer yes, Steve's question to answer steve's question actually yes it, there is a sequel called parvana's journey which the author also wrote all okay. right cool cool well there you go if you oh. want the story to continue you can read the book um <laughs> but yeah so we're gonna get into spoilers leave now if you don't want to be spoiled i don't want to hear about you being spoiled this was your warning all right so let's start off with this beginning part of the film and how it just kind of opens up and sets every and kind of sets up all these pieces so we open up with essentially just the arrest of her father all right so we start with them at the market and she she's with her father and then suddenly two members of the taliban idris and razak come and they ask like okay why is she here like what's going on and Idris is a very young, angry man who, it's, for me, like, he is terrifying because he, not only is he terrifying because not because radicalized youth, it's a thing, it's a problem, 
But also because by the end of this movie, it just really shows you like there's so much with this character and he's not the main focus, but the the bit we have from him, I think the little bit we have from him is really interesting to explore. Um, But yeah, so he, he feels insulted by her father. And next thing we know, he gets arrested. Um, So, and it's a big deal because in this very restrictive society, uh, women can't be seen walking outside without a man next to them. And the only man in their house is this baby boy outside of her father. So they can't really do anything. They can't buy clothes. Like they can't buy food. They can't do anything without that freedom. So how did you guys feel about this, this setup, this, this opening and how, was it jarring for you to kind of be thrown into this world that is so radically different from our own? Or was it, was it refreshing to see such a, such a honest but brutal portrayal of things? Like, where were you when you, when you watched this? Um, John, let's start with you. Well, when, when I played it on Netflix, it said in the description that this was definitely Taliban Afghanistan. So I was expecting that we were going to see sort of the sort of Taliban elements out out front and out front and out loud because you have to establish who the the villain is in this case in which case the villain is the broader society uh Idris definitely was I liked how Idris was portrayed you could definitely get the sense that this is a kid who you know got caught up in the got caught up in the tumult of the of the time period he had and he's almost trying to shout down his insecurities and his yeah yeah because he's trying to be this guy. It's like, oh, you know, what is she doing here? She should be. She's old enough to marry. This is an affront to Islam. And and even like the older guy there, who is also Taliban, is like, calm down, dude, calm down. It's you could definitely tell it's it's fa- almost false bravado, where it's he's trying to make him, he's trying to make himself this big manly guy by blending by fitting into you know this these people that gave him opportunities. He's trying to constantly oppress his rulers, but it's not. You could definitely tell he's not even he's still not sure of it. He was what he was a student. We have reason to believe he was a great student, a great, well-educated, well, uh, well brought up. And he's just, you know, sort of gone a wayward path rather than just being genuinely evil. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Alex? Mm. Well, see, I'm on the other hand, uh, aside, we have we're not going to talk about the, the final scene with Idris yet. I think that's where they add a little bit of character to him but in this opening at least to me he just comes off as just a, a one a one-dimensional bad guy like okay this is the guy we're supposed to hate he has no redeeming qualities and razak is the guy who's kind of reeling reeling him in so but it, it, as for the scene itself like it, it is a good introduction to just uh, what this world is like uh, i especially enjoy like how it, we be begins more with uh, Nurula telling Parvana the story and Parvana's like oh, I don't really care about stories anymore and uh, as they're walking she's like well what what does it matter so like it, at least there you're already setting up like she's she's kind of tired of the system already and that's just before his her father is taken away entirely so it's a, a very strong scene to to begin and it definitely uh, sets you up for the tone that this movie is going to take but yeah, Idris in this first scene just comes off like you know not 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 great of a character. They they don't do enough with him until his later scene, in my opinion. So I think what I was I think for me the big thing with with Idris is that I was not expecting an animated film to actually be honest in that portrayal of misogyny. Like for the misogyny to be so rampant, to be so so because it uh, unflinchingly, was. I know because it was, but I'm saying. Go after after watching a year's worth of animated films that didn't want to actually say like portray things as they were, but take kind of like a kind of a fantastical uh, 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 what's that word a padded version of that of how reality is to come into this film and actually see animation take things seriously and take them as they are without having to add something to it to make it kid friendly you mean like a son you mean like a son you mean like a son from beauty and the beast um what no i'm I'm talking about like oh okay for instance like all right like for instance i'm saying like for instance in coco his grandmother like he she or great-grandmother she deals with dementia 
And that oh. could be a very intense thing, but it's ve- barely talked about. They, the, he talks about the abandonment of, like, a father leaving a family and that abandonment that happens. Murder. It's kind of like, that's the thing with these kind of movies. These, like, very, these, like, Pixar, Disney, th- DreamWorks, they tend to not really go for it or go for a kind of, uh, uh, serious, more somber tone. They kind of are like, we have to make, we're going to deal with these intense themes, but we have to dress them up in this like way that's more accessible to all ages. Whereas with this film, they didn't do that. And that to me was just what was so refreshing. And that's why I wanted to highlight his character. Well, but, I, um, and, yeah, I, I, I think that just speaks to the lack of a, a adult animation. That's st- like, we're, we're still in a place where that's just a very rare thing these days like when when a pg-13 or r-rated animated feature comes like oh look at that uh, obviously if there's, there's a pg yeah. one it's like whatever they're all like that so yeah, when, i would like, make the okay. argument i, I don't me, know like, i would make the argument that like i i think it was i was surprised to find out after watching this movie that it was pg-13 oh, okay so you didn't know that going in and like it could be sh- i because i wouldn't like even though it's pg-13 i could show this to 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 like a 10 year old and not feel like, oh, this is too much for them. If anything, oh, yeah. when they ask me, when they look at the news that's filled with these, this type of imagery and they ask me about it, this is the film I would go to, to be like, this is how we can start our conversation. Um, Let's start it off with this movie. Yeah, it, um, yeah Steve, yeah, what yeah. did you uh, think? I say, um, yeah, that's not like the way you set up this character. Um, What's the, the uh, that, that guy, Um, what's his I, name again? Idris. Idris, yeah. I expect him to be a, to be a lot worse than he really was. I expect him to be a lot more psychotic. Like when he like just had the father arrested, part of me was like relieved because when I saw him like spying on them at the at the end of the first scene, I thought he, he was going to do something worse. I thought maybe he was going to murder him or something because the way to set up this character and the way to set up this world, I expected a much more darker, grittier type of movie than we got. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. I mean. And Alex, you mentioned how um, in the, we also have that opening, which is like these stories, right? That there's a bunch of these stories where they incorporated different types of animation styles into them. So do you, because I don't want to get too into this kind of other layer of the film where we deal with a lot of the, the actual storytelling and that does that happens within the film through these characters because that's where things get a little, that's what for me, things get a little shaky. But what did you guys think of this kind of contrast between these animation styles? Was that something that you appreciated or was that something that, that you found to be um, too, too jarring of an experience visually? Um, John? I, um, I, I, liked, I liked the contrast because it was a great way of, because it felt like someone was reading me a book when, they talk, when there was a story about the Elephant King. And I, I and it, it also it also is allowed to give some separation between the main storyline and the alternate storyline. And I like it when they do that because it does, it does sort of get you in the mindset of like someone is telling like almost reading a book to you. And the main animation for the main storyline, it is I liked it. And to go on what Steve said, how he didn't think it was gonna be, he thought it was gonna be a lot darker, grittier than it was. I feel like the animation of the main story arc helped it light helped lighten it up a bit it was still very colorful it was very vibrant it still it allowed i liked i liked how they had they played with the light with sunlight there making it the sunsets and the sun and sun ups it kept it it kept it just light enough so that it just wasn't this that you could feel it wasn't always gonna be this dark foreboding story even though it is still a dark period so i, I liked how they were able to blend the two gotcha gotcha alex you were gonna say something yeah, I was gonna say like, I appreciate the, the 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 fact that these stories are kind of like breaks in the main story, like because the main story at times gets so emotionally heavy, and so when when these uh, times come, like hey, keep telling us the story the story of the of the king of the elephant king, so it feels kind of like a break or like a place to like catch your breath. So in that sense, I I appreciate what it's trying to do there. But at the same time, I think that those sequences go on for for a bit too long. And so while the animation style is pretty, but it wasn't really enough for me to say like, okay, well, can we go on with 
the with the rest of the movie sort of thing. I, I and I don't and I don't think it, it does well enough in in intertwining with the main story until the very end. But all, all the stuff up, up until that point it's just a, a bit tough to see us going in between two different t- t- tones entirely. I, I agree with Alex in terms of how it, like it was a nice it could be like a breather for the main story at times, be like a break. And I don't know. I did think the one thing I did like though is how you often don't get a direct end. Sometimes it just ends abruptly and get back to the main story. So you gotta keep on your toes a bit. That's why one thing I liked about that. It wasn't there was never it there was no old time. They were never clear when the story ends and we get back to the the actual canon of this of the movie. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so then let's talk about what happens after. So her father's taken and they need food. They need to they 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 do they do try to get him out initially. Her mom does go with Parana to to speak to the prison governor, but it just goes very poorly and she gets beaten. Her mother gets beaten. We don't see it, but we do see the aftermath. We do see her bruised. And um after this, this is when Parwana decides, okay, like she on her own, without saying it, she just decides, okay, I'm going to dress as a boy. Um, and we're introduced to her family and all that, and it's great, but I think what's really astonishing about this next chapter of the story, which is this like kind of transformation she goes through, is this immediate sense of liberation from her. Like it's so stark how different she is now that she has a taste of freedom. So like Alex, you mentioned how in the beginning she says, what's the point of stories? I'm too, I'm too, I'm too old for them. Like, oh, like I don't want to, I don't want to hear about joy. Like I don't want something that, I don't want to focus on things that are, that give me, I feel like her rejecting that was like, I don't want to hear hear words that give me hope because this is a hopeless place I'm living in. And then once she becomes a boy, there's just this kind of turnaround with her and like she holds herself up like high like she holds her head up higher she's not as timid um there's this wonderful like parallel scenes where we see her try and buy food as a young as a girl and then how she's taken in buying food as a boy and it's just i just find these very moments cuz you're right it does the film do, is quite slow but i found these this this kind of uh, contrast between how she is as a how she was taken as a girl and how she's taken as a boy and that impact on her and her self esteem I found that to be to be very striking. What did you guys think of this 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 journey this kind of transformation she takes? How successful is it versus some? How successful do you think it is, um, John? Very successful and also kind of cute in a way. Like when she goes to the uh, main store to buy the raisins, the rice and stuff. You could tell she's like no idea how to act. It's like kind of a, yeah. a kilo of rice, a kilo of naan, and a small amount of raisins. And the shopkeeper is like, uh, a small amount. Well, that's how am I supposed to measure that? And they're like, yeah. and you can tell it's like they're laughing. They're they're having a great time. And which again plays in another thing that even in such a restrictive uh, culture that they were in, people were still having the opportunities to laugh and talk and have a great time, which which was also kind of hard when it's all right. They get and the kid pays the money and they're talking to her. It's like this boy doesn't know he's being ripped off, does he? And she's just like, and you can tell it's like she's just beaming. She's completely naive and oblivious, but it's also adorable, right? Because it's like she's just enjoying the fact she just she was able to successfully buy food in the store. She what 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 could she care that you know she may have gotten ripped off a bit? And then she did get, and then later on she does get a bit smarter. She starts haggling. She starts you know uh, negotiating and doing all that. So she definitely. She gains in confidence, which is also really great, too. And you can make the argument that technically she's ripping them off because before she couldn't be able to. So now she's like, ha I'm actually the real winner here. But yeah. Um, <laughs> ha I'm a but, girl. I, you, you were forced to take my money and give me services. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Steve, what about you? What did you think? Oh, yeah, that was great. Um, I like how, though, how they, she just did it. They didn't make this, like, big production out of it. And how, like... Um, even like her older sister helped her a bit to get her cut, and and we found out that she is a spoiler. Can I say that she wasn't yeah, yeah, the, yeah. She wasn't the only second. one, only person with that scheme? Like, there's another character that did that too. Another character who, when first introduced, I thought was a boy myself. So that was a yeah. shock. 
think, yeah, it's like, you gotta wonder though, it's how many, how many girls really do that in this setting? And I do think it probably is, had to be certain age restriction because probably older, yeah, the no, older there, sister it's, it's never tried of... that. The older sister couldn't do that probably because she's probably way too developed and she probably couldn't fool nobody. But it had to be it's... a certain age to be able to do that. But there's there's a long history of of girls doing this. It's called bacha posh. So uh, it's it's an actual thing that yeah. that that often happens in Afghanistan. So it's it's nothing new. It's it's very yeah. Um, yeah and that's what I like. They didn't, they didn't make a big deal about. It. She just did it, and she and helped develop her character. It, it wasn't like other movies. Like oh gosh, turning to a boy. Oh. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, uh, Alex, what about you? Yeah, I, I definitely want to highlight that there is a scene before. She turn. Uh, she goes through this transformation where she's uh, just getting water, from, uh, and she begins to run. Uh, oh no, no, no! It's, she's going to the market, and uh, no one will serve her, and she gets uh, spotted, and she just uh, runs down the aisle. She drops her bag of money, and then we have that scene of uh, her sister cleaning up her blood. Like I, I think, like just that sequence, uh, that was for some reason the one that hit me the most emotionally. I guess because totally. it, it's. It's already followed by her her mom getting beaten and her dad getting taken away. So I think that's the pinpoint of the initial rock bottom. So I just enjoyed like how how it sets up very well all all the stuff that's happened to Parvana, which makes her tra- her transformation all that more. Um, it, it's ecstatic to see and her her joy at the simple things in life, like being able to go to a store without being questioned. So I think that the movie does an excellent job in in organizing its events in a way where the emotional payoff happens both quickly but also very satisfactorily. Yeah, and I just want to mention that scene that you talk about, that is such a visually striking scene. Like just that image of her looking up as her sister kindly wipes away the blood of on her like her nosebleed um and the fact that her sister which up to that point we had kind of always seen them fight so the fact that she lost the her she lost her money and she still her sister kind of in realization that she like i don't know she just did it so kindly and she treated her with such uh, gentleness which is such a contrast again to her own sister it just this this movie does a great job at showing us the complexities of human beings and doesn't limit us to to very uh kind of limiting ways of viewing each character there's all every character complicates what you think of them based on what they do and i just thought that was really great so i'm really glad that you brought that up um but yeah so uh steve you mentioned shasia um we're in spoilers so you can say her name it's fine um but yeah so let's talk about this relationship this relationship between parana and shasia because it's so sweet like i adored it Um, yeah yeah yeah, what i I thought was gonna happen i first saw this character especially when i found out she was a girl i thought for sure this type of character trope. This character was going to die by the end of the movie. I'm like, oh no. I just thought though, there got to be some tragic thing happened to really um maybe develop Corona's character, make her stronger. Tragedy. Cause I I was I just really wait watching the whole movie like waiting for her to die. I'm like, and then when she said like her goodbyes to Corona at the very end, I'm like, okay, good, just go. You're going to survive the movie. You're going to survive the movie. You're going to survive the movie. <laughs> I mean, but isn't isn't having her father taken away tragic enough? I know, I, I know. But sometimes movies like to really beat up characters mentally, and especially when I found out her backstory about this abusive father. I thought maybe we're gonna find out like later on her father was gonna kill her or something. I just, I don't know why I had these thoughts, these dark thoughts. But I guess maybe the setting in the movie, I just expect the worst. Okay, okay, all it, right. So, um, I really liked John, her. Yes. I really liked her. I did not want her to die or nothing. It's definitely gotcha, gotcha. it's definitely a case though where uh, Shazia is def- is a tragic character though because and I think it was definitely personified because she's been doing this for a long time already. She's yeah, cursing as a boy. She did work in she did she was a tea boy a tea server for a long time. She's doing all these very manual backbreaking jobs and she and she was getting sort of old and weary in, in her own way from them and we saw that when they're at the coal pit, and she just falls over because she doesn't have energy anymore. Yeah, I mentioned but, that cave scene, though, when um, that guy that 
who was his kid name again? Uh, Idris. Idris. Like when he shot the gun, like shot at the cave. I was oh my god! I thought for sure that she was dead. I thought for sure that was probably was going to happen. That's when I thought, because I just had a feeling. Because this guy had done so much to, so much to her. She took away her father. Now he's going to take away her friend. I'm just the gun. The, the gun. The gun physics on display in that scene bugs me. I just want to. I, <laughs> I just want. No, no. It really did bug me. I didn't want to survive. I mean, it looked like he was no. firing inside. Look, he's going to get somebody. Right. No, I, ex- no. It's like either a he fired inside and you right. You were expecting he hits on it, or b he misses. He hits the rock and the bullet comes back because the bullet comes back. I mean, you're not supposed to shoot a gun at a rock because that is really dangerous. Like th- normally, that bullet's either going to whiz all the place or it might bounce back and hit you. So that bugged me that it was a little that it was an improbable se- sequence of events. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Physics. It's it's complicated. <laughs> um, it's such a yeah. nitpick. I know. No, it's cool. It's it's fair. Fair. I mean, for a film that is so realistic, for its gun physics isn't that realistic where it should be. But um, but yeah. So, uh, Alex, did you talk about Shalcia? Um, not not particularly. <laughs> I th- I think she's a, she's a fine character. She serves her purpose as a guiding Parvana through the, uh, th- through her new life. Um, she uh, she has a couple of uh, of fights, I guess, or like verbal arguments with the with um Parvana late later on in the movie that are are okay. Uh, I I like their relationship. I don't think the character was as fleshed out as I uh, I would have liked. But she she when they when she and Parvana are together are still some of the happier moments in the movie. So yeah. I also like that it, it's at least that that part of lifting Parvana up. Like th- this is the part of the freedom that comes with the with the doing this transformation. Just being able to interact with someone in public that that's already a big step up from where what you were allowed to do previously. Um. And, and, Parvana, and Parvana lifts her up, too, because when they're hiding in the cave, it, up to that point, it had been Shazia teaching Parvana, you know, how to be a boy and doing all these tricks. And then when they're in the cave after, it's now Parvana lifting up Shazia by telling her these stories. And they're generally just becoming kids again. And the, yeah. syner- the synergy in, throughout their whole relationship was fantastic. One thing I wasn't too, too clear on is if Parvana knew Shazia before the, if the movie started. She did. Uh, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, I said... Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were they were in school together. That's why. Oh, okay. 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 Maybe I missed that detail. So it was brief. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. Well, then let's talk about this other, um, kind of surprising friendship in a way, re- friendship that appears in the film, which is uh, Parvana. Now she now as Atesh, that's her male name. Um. She goes. She now is does like what she did in the beginning of the movie with her father. Now she does on her own. She offers to read and write for people who need it because um, some people are illiterate. Um, so she meets uh, Razak, who is the man from the Taliban who was there with Idris when they, when the whole initial encounter insult, did, did her father insult Idris or not encounter happen? Um, so what did you guys think of Razak? Because he is definitely uh, a character that for me... Um, is is uh kind of one of the breakouts for me because well it's i mean already we're the next time we meet him is already we okay we initially meet him and we're not on his side because he is part of the taliban he's he's one of the people people who got her father in prison he's someone that we're shown to be against and it would have been just so easy to leave it at that it would have been so simple. He could have just been someone else. But instead, the next time we we're introduced to him, he asks her, she first says, like, where is the man here? And she's like, I'm his nephew, question mark. And he gives her a letter to read. And it's the letter of news that his wife has passed. And already, and that kind of starts this kind of very interesting relationship between these two characters that I just am fascinated by. What did you guys think of this relationship? How it developed? How it was portrayed? Well, I, I um, want to say you meant yes. you mentioned that from from the very beginning we're supposed to not like him, but actually I think the movie does a good job in setting up from the very beginning that he's the one that has at least a little bit of heart because he's the one who's reeling reeling in um, Idris from the very beginning. Like, calm down. We're not. We don't need to be this angry. So I think from the very beginning you're like, okay, well he's not as bad a character, and so that helps you to already be in in tune with him when he comes back to ask for this letter to be read. And I think that letter 
breeding scene in particular is just very uh, beautiful to watch. Uh, as the the letters being read, it's coming to the bad news. He has that apple that he's peeling, and you can just yeah. see him slowly stop peeling as the news is being read. It's all very silent by the end of it. Yeah. But, and, and then just seeing his development like slow, slowly warming up to to Parvana and tre- treating with respect. It's just a very beautiful relationship. And I, I agree that Razak is probably maybe the strongest character in this entire movie because we see him develop in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say strong as I still think this is Parvana's story. But um, but yes, definitely a breakout character. Yes, Steve. Yeah, he, he's like outside of the lack of death in the movie. He was the thing that surprised me the most about this movie. And the first part, like when he re- when she read him that letter the first time about his wife's death. I figured when he was over, he was just going to slap her for daring to, to deliver him bad news. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. The character is a little interesting. All right, we'll see where this goes. And and by the end of the movie, I was like so invested in terms of, of whether he survives or not. And and even at the very end of the movie, it, he's still technically alive, though he doesn't look in good shape. But... Very interesting character. They could, like I guess, like you said, Beatrice. They could have easily written him more as a straight-out villain, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. John, what about you? What did you think of Razak? Well, in the beginning, with it, Razak was definitely left open to be a bit more mellow than Idris, for example. He was. You could tell that he isn't as radicalized because he remembers what it was like before the Taliban came. And he, and he sort of had that – and he has those memories of, you know, I – even though I am – even though I was a – even though I am a fighter, I'm definitely not – you know, I, I'm not fully taken in by this sort of thing. And he definitely – you definitely felt more sympathy for him when his wife died. He – learning where he had to leave and he developed this great relationship with Parvana. Well, I should say with Aish before – she became before before he realized it was Parvana, and you knew that he could you know it you you could believe the growing bonds of trust they had. He tells her my cousin works at the prison. Go on go there on Wednesday. Uh, he he risked his neck to save her father ap- afterwards. It you could I I liked how he became. I wouldn't say he was a breakout character, but he did sort of come out of the woodwork. In I, I- he came out of the woodwork enough so that you could feel like he was going to be a good guy. He would be helpful to her in the end, and he was. I wonder though, at the, did he knew maybe maybe he knew all along that Istish was a girl because the whole nephew story that did sound very fishy. I mean, to me, if I was in that position, I would see that very fishy. And and you, and you said like girls or some of his boys been going on for a while, and maybe he knows stuff like that. And he just lets it go. I mean, I don't know, because when the bit, the reveal does happen, he does kind of stare at her for a bit. He does seem surprised. So I don't yeah. think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't, I don't know if there's enough to say that yeah. he was, uh, he or, knew. Or at least maybe he has some suspicion, because I did think that whole, like, story. I'm just his nephew, when in the first scene, the guy said, I got no, like, male members of my family except for my infant son. I th- would think someone would put two and two together, but... Well, maybe, well, maybe he doesn't consider maybe, maybe he doesn't consider the nep- maybe they don't consider the nephew part of the family. The inner it's family, my, yeah. It's my, it's, he might like he could have had like he probably had like you know ten or fifteen brother ten or fifteen siblings. Yeah. Well, it's so nephews and nieces yeah. elsewhere, for example. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of the dynamics of this family? Because something that I was interested in was we they have this kind of older brother figure, right? And we kind of find out what midway through the film that he passed away, right? Like midway, because we up to that point we don't know really what happened. Like he could have just been radicalized. He could have just been married in a way, but for a while, like he was just kind of this cloud over them that no one wanted to talk about. Do you guys think that it would have been more successful? Their family dynamic would have been more successful had this had this not been a reveal. Had we from the very beginning known that. They had an older brother who passed away. Maybe we don't know how yet, but that that was a reality. And that that would have made, say, when her mom sees Parvana for the first time, she when she says, like, you look like Suleiman. And when throughout the film, she starts confusing the two and not real, like starts mixing them up. 
Like, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that this was a smart decision to do, or do you think that it should have been told up front? Um, uh, I think. Oh. Or Alex, go. Please, well, please. I, I think it was a fine decision because it, it, I, I prefer that Suleiman gets revealed over time. Like as Parvana is opening up to to Shalsia is when she finally be- gives that information. So it just kind of goes along with her development of going from the sheltered girl to someone who's willing to express themselves to to other people outside of her family. So I I did enjoy that scene where she talks about Suleiman to to to, to her, and uh, I think that in the initial scenes with the family, I think just the fact that Suleiman is even mentioned, it, it already hints to the audience enough of like, okay, this used to be a family member that was here. Uh, I think with that, it's enough information without having to spell it out for the audience. Gotcha, gotcha, John. Right, yeah, I agree, and also I agree. And you could definitely, I felt, I really did think he had uh, died th- in the beginning. It, it was, and in a way, it's like you know, we don't know this much until the midway point. And I kind of get that. I believed it because we learned well why, he, how he died. He picked up a toy that was that was an IED, and I could understand. It's like they're like, my mom doesn't want to talk about it. Well, why would why would they bring it up? Like, what would preempt them saying? Oh, you're like my son. You're like you're like your brother who got exploded in the street. You you would like a family wouldn't talk about that. They wouldn't keep reliving it. So it, I, I I thought it was handled extremely well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And Steve, anything yeah. to comment? Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I thought it was pretty clear that he passed away before this movie. I mean, the only other alternative would be that he was taken away, like the father at the beginning, and never saw him again. But even then. You probably assume he'd be dead. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So, okay, so did you guys, because this is something that I've asked uh, others and they didn't quite catch in the first place. Did you guys know that her mom was a writer? Uh, Not until the very end where the yeah. Suleiman gives that speech mm-hmm. to the Okay, so the that, didn't pa- that, that, that didn't pass by you because I've talked to certain people who were like, oh, she was a writer despite watching the movie. So I did want to yeah. uh, ask because um, I think the I think the yeah. film is trying to bank on the fact that you know she's literate to make yeah. the connection, and I don't think it worked. I did I do get that she was educated though, but I didn't think she was a writer. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they do say it, but for a lot of people, like it kind of goes over their heads. Because before, like whenever I tell people that, because for some people who say have reservations about this kind of story within a story element of the film of like they didn't quite understand why it was that Parvana was telling this story and that the story was continuing and whatnot about Suleiman the the character not the brother um it was when I told people like oh it's because but her mom's a writer so it, it would make sense that stories and stuff like that are a big deal in their family or whatever so I was just curious of what you guys thought of it but um let's talk about this this story this this kind of parallel story that's happening um, that we briefly talked about. For me, this is like where I somewhat, this is where the my criticisms for the movie come in because I just don't quite know who Suleiman is trying to, is like par- parallel to. This movie does a great job with contrasting different things. So I was just thinking, like, I, I understand, like, overall, like, stories, words, they're, they're what bring hope and power and and whatnot. But at the same time, I wish that the actual story of Suleiman, like, yeah, like, I just, I, I wanted to understand, like, okay, like, what does his journey represent in the actual world that we're living in, in, like, the breadwinner? So do you guys have, like, any theories of, like, any interpretations of this story and how it is related to the main story? Um, Alex? Not really. <laughs> uh, like it, it, the, the, this story portion has definitely felt like intermissions, and I would agree with you that that's the weak. This is the weakest part of the film, and the parts where it felt like it dragged most. I think that it, it works as a setup for the fi- for that final scene where we have Suleiman giving his speech. But the problem is that the previous story portions don't don't really give you an in uh, or like a hint as to what's coming. It just feels like its own separate story. So that's why it almost feels like that final sequence of him facing the Elephant King and telling his story. It almost feels separate from the rest of the story that has that has been being told uh, throughout the the first half of the movie. 
So, like, it, it, I almost feel like it would have worked regardless if we'd seen the first half. Like, if we only saw that final sequence, like, mixed in with the climax, it probably still would have worked. But I think that it works just a little bit extra because you did all the setup. But, uh, but once again, the problem is, if the setup isn't as entertaining to watch, then that, that kind of hurts the prog- product as a whole. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Steve, what I about think, you? Yeah, I think stories sort of, like, represent, like, Hormone and the rest of the family kind of like trying to suppress or just not the the brothers like Solomon's death or how it happened. And you see in the final like story, like Perona finally like saying like what happened, how he died, and have to like relive that again. How to had to you know have to just say on the open. Well, well, I think she just didn't never want to mention that ever again. Not not to mention it. Just like you said earlier, Beatrice. So I think that sort of represents her letting go or just letting go of that, of all that suppressed, you know, sadness and grief. Gotcha, gotcha. John, what about you? Any theories about what this story, how the story connects to the other one? Uh, I'm, I'm really, really trying. Uh, aside from the fact that, that the, story, the two stories did, in fact, mer- get merged over the course of the entire film. I'm trying to draw parallels. Maybe, maybe the parallel is that the the Jaguars taking away the seeds equals the Taliban taking away her father. Uh, crying bitter tears is the hopelessness of the rest of the family. But Pravana is Suleiman, so she's going to go and get the seeds back, get her father back, become the breadwinner in the family again, and goes through all these trials. I guess... That mm-hmm. the, I I feel, but if I feel like if I'm doing that, I feel like it is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, Alex was. I think Alex is a bit closer though when he when he mentioned how it felt like it was the intermission part of the story of the film, like the the place marker to see. Okay, are we close to the beginning? Are we close to the middle? Are we close to the end? Sort of thing. Like I I, I really want to connect them, but I'm but I'm aside from the explanation I gave, I'm really not sure if that's really even accurate. Okay, I have a theory, and I want to know what you guys think of it. So. Suleiman and Idris are voiced by the same person. Yes. So they're voiced by the same guy. What if Suleiman is the representation of what a young man could be without the radicalization? You know, what this is this this is like he represents what a young man should be of like of being like being heroic being this like not being hopeful and everything and what his purpose is um juxtaposing him with and especially and it's even more tragic because he shares the name of a character that died young of a young man that died young and could have grown up to be say a leader of peace a leader of 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 more noble means whereas is Idris is very radicalized very angry um, very violent, and he represents this. He represents of the reality, whereas Suleiman represents of what could have been. You know what I mean? It, do you is is do you think that's like a bit me reading too much into things, or is that something worth like exploring? Well, the one one thing maybe I, I would add maybe is that Perona doesn't remember Solomon like died such a long time ago that the only voice she can hear is Igris's voice because that's closest thing to a to a man that would been. Solomon's age that's kind of all I got maybe maybe. I'm not I'm not sure how much can be read into the the, a voice a voice cast decision to be honest and I I think I I think it's closer to say that this is uh, this is a more representation of the mythologized version Parvana has of her brother where she remembers where she remembers him as this great heroic uh guy because maybe enough time has passed where time has passed where she sort of let the possible negatives of having a big brother of which i'm sure there are probably many have let those go and she remembers this she remembers her brother as this great guy and she's imparting that onto the story i'm not sure but again this is an addendum on my theory it's I, you might again, Beatrice. Like your guess is as good as mine too, but I'm not entirely sure how much of a how much that works. Yeah, it's just it's just theory. It's just like here's it, it, one interpretation that can work out or it's not another. A, it's not a bad one. It's just like I could see that, but it's 
Yeah. So, and in any case where we're like pulling things from outside the film, like voice casting decisions to try to justify what this uh, what these scenes actually mean. And the fact that they're using such fantastical imagery, like an uh, old woman milking a goat or being thrown into a well of emeralds. Yeah. The, the fact that, Sh- that Shosia is able to just inject her par- in her parts into the story, yeah. making it not entirely hers, right? So yeah, like, and- all in all, it just feels like a storytelling. But uh, it, if you're gonna try pulling a meaning out of it, the movie hasn't it hasn't done enough to make that meaning mean anything in and, the context of the story. And this was right, right. And this was originally a novel, so and now we don't have voice acting in the original I, form. Of this media. Look, I just want to say that in terms of like vo- voice casting, it's still part of the decision. It's still part of the movie making process. So I, I just saying that. Y- People may scoff at it, but I think it's it's a valid to use that as part of like evidence because, and I'm gonna quote Star Wars Rebels here. Um, a character there said, "It's art. Art always has meaning, and part of the art making of film is casting." So, um, right, but I, also I don't part think, of it is I wouldn't scoff at it across to your viewers. Mm-hmm. Right, That's right, right. Yeah. But again, like I, there is val like there is like the whole death of the author theory. It may be something that you take out of it, but nece- not necessarily something that the filmmaker wanted you to take out of it. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So again, just like theories, this film is like, it's it's right for interpretation. Um, yeah. So there's many ways you can interpret it. I'm, if anything, this just kind of highlights that the film itself kind of doesn't know how to link these two together. So it's kind of like, how do we as an audience walk away trying to link these two together? Yeah. These two kind well, of parallel I linked, stories. Well, I you, could tell, you could definitely tell that they were trying and they just didn't hit the mark. Right, well, right. I'm pretty sure though the elephant king supposed to represent like that Taliban like the... It could. Yeah. He could. Certainly. You know, and like what's the one how do, the, how do you stop it? Is through words not through violence. So there you go. There's like there's another kind of way to there's like a more pacifist message of it. But yeah, so let's talk about this kind of finale of this movie. Because as Alex mentioned, this is kind of where everything kind of just falls into place. So the uh, her older sister, Soraya, was offered to be wed with one of her cousins. Um, so right, so her mom tells Parvana, Parvana, this is what's going to happen. They're going to come pick us up and then we're going to go. Parvana kind of fl- flips out. She thinks, wait, but then if dad comes back, What's going to happen? He's not going to know where we are. So she tells her, let me go. The day before they leave, she goes, let me go see him. Let me try and get him out. Or at least let me tell him where we're going to be. So she heads off. But this is how the world works. The war had started when she, that, that very day. So when she leaves, the person who was supposed to come the day after comes early to get them out. And suddenly there's this huge drama where... The mom is for the mom and the sister and brother are kind of kidnapped in a way, or just kind of taken away. Parvana is heading for the prison to get her father, or at least let him know what's going on. And then suddenly everything's slowly starting to fall into place. So how did you guys like walk me through this? Like, what did you guys think when this was happening? Were you surprised at how well it got pulled off? Or do you think it even got pulled off well? Um Alex, let's start with you since you already had kind of talked about this. So now you can talk in depth about it. Yeah, I definitely think this worked out. Just the fact, and the fact that it has set up like three or four different things all at once, so you can bounce between each thing very quickly. But it all, it all feels in the same tone of desperation, like um, Fatma's desperation to just get out of that situation, Parvana's desperation to find her father, and we also get cut, cuts to um, to Razak, who's in inside the prison, going in to look for. Uh, for her, her father in the midst of all that chaos and we're also cutting into the, the, the end of the Parvana story with Suleiman climbing up the mountain and uh, dealing with the the winds and the dark or the red lightning and contrasting that with the the bombs that are going on in the background it, it's just it, it feel it feels so over, it might feel overwhelming but I think that works considering how slow the movie had felt up to the, up to that point like it, it was t- not slow but it was taking its time so like just putting them all together like in one big midst, it just that that part is just what caught my attention the most and made me excited to just see how all, all this was being juggled around and the, the, and just the, the colors that they use, especially in in the the story sequences, is very pretty to watch. The the music is very solid, very like 
so like it, it just it keeps your heart beat up <laughs> so uh, all in all, I, I just I, I love the the entire like final 20 minutes of this movie the best part by far gotcha gotcha um Steve what about you what did you think of this kind of final act uh, I thought it was definitely just came out of nowhere how, how all the stuff going on all at once well the first two acts were definitely much more slower paced I, I liked it. it it was very exciting um there were times where like I'm telling the Peruna, like towards the end, like maybe time just to cut your losses and get get out of here because he's when he's at the prison waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, she could have left a long time ago because I don't know if I would have waited that long. I mean, I know because I would have eventually maybe thought maybe like or at least go go in there, go go get your dad. Don't just sit there waiting and waiting and waiting, but. Well, that, that that definitely has been set up throughout this entire movie, right? Yeah. Parvana's persistence and the fact yeah. that she, like she, at this point, like it's now or never. So, like, shit, we've set up enough in this movie. Like, okay, she's she's not going to give up now, no matter what is going on around here. And and, and, and like, can we talk about the very end, the last, like, how it ends, or is that too not yet, Beatrice? No, yeah, how it ends. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to talk about how how at the end, yeah, Perona her reunite with her father, but. You know, the family is split in half. Like, she's the, the whole family does not get reunited at the end. It just pruned her father, and then then her mother and her sister and brother are somewhere else. And we don't know if they ever will find each other again. So do, do you think that this is not... Okay, so do you think it's ba- it's it's a fault of the film for not giving us kind of like a, a happy ending slash conclusion to that story? No. Actually, you know, I, I kind of compliment that it did not go for the complete happy ending. That it goes to a little more realistic type of ending. Even okay. though, even though, like, pretty much nobody died in this movie. I, I think it could use some death to make it more, a little bit more realistic in this, in, in this setting. You know, but the fact that everyone lived, I think is enough of a happy ending for me. Gotcha, gotcha. What about you, John? What did you think of this final act? And same question. Do you think that... Um, it, the film is stronger for not giving us kind of like a neatly tied ending. I think I I agree. Yeah, it, it, the film is better for not giving us the full happy ending because you have to just look at the context. Yes, she got her father out. He is still alive. And I'd like to think he did like he isn't dying. He is going to make it and they're all going to be reunited again. But we have to remember, what are they coming back to? They're coming back now to a country that is at war. They're coming back to a city that is going to be that's already been kicked in the head is going to get kicked in the head again and there and there is going to be struggles but it is realistic in the sense that it things are maybe going to be ticking upwards because you know parvana has become the a good breadwinner for the family she has been making money she has been buying food uh they have been able to convince enough people that she is a that she is a boy and i feel like it's not going to be it's not happy happy go lucky but life can at least resume to some semblance of normalcy uh can i just add though yeah if i didn't get could be happy ending is that it also gives consequences to decisions made by these characters that Peron had to suffer some consequences for her choices like what mm, yeah. like, like i said like you went to find her dad and for now, at least she's separated from the rest of her family. Well, they both are. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but it's not necessarily a consequence of her choice. It's more of a consequence of the reality. Yeah. Because the, how are they going to know that the war was going to start that very day? Mm-hmm. Initially, like, ideally, it was going to be, you know, they she would have gone. They would have, because that wasn't supposedly the day that they were leaving. Mm-hmm. So ne- it's not necessarily, like, consequence of her actions. It's more just consequence of... Mm-hmm. circumstance of life of yeah. circumstance yeah mm-hmm. um which often which i kind of like because often enough that's the that's how usually it, it goes with uh civilians living in a war in a warring state in a way so that's kind of usually the reality for them but um but yeah um i really enjoyed the ending i do think that this is like when the f- this like throughout the film there are scenes where the film is like incredibly poignant and strong you know there's this one scene early on in the film where parvana like like dressed as atesh 
she sees um this this woman being being bothered by these by these men and she kind of is frozen in her spot and being like oh like i need to like stop she's whispering to herself but to the men like stop it leave her alone but she can't seem to act and it's like those kind that scene and those type of moments are so strong yet the finale of this film it kind of manages to take those kind of really strong and poignant moments and make them like last for like 10 to 15 minutes i, I like which the, is like yeah. yeah i like how the next scene though when she's talk, talking about that i mean her friend says um all you wouldn't gotten was a beaten like yeah yeah so it's kind of a, it, it, what i'm saying is like that kind of emphasizes kind of like the realities of things but then the finale what the, what it does is it adds kind of this beautiful balance of not just like the reality of things capturing that but also capturing this kind of dramatic tension that the film has been building up to that point so it's just this really wonderful payoff that i think um is just really incredible and i i i love the film for it and um and i'm surprised like i I know that steve you said that there weren't any deaths but i think razak does die well, well, the movie the doesn't make that clear. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make it problem. clear, but I, I, I look at it as like he looks at the at at the moon and the ring of light, which is what represents his wife's wife's name, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, like this is that's the last thing he sees in a way. I, I, but but, but, it, but he didn't look like he was mortally wounded. He looked like he was in good shape for the situation. He yeah, look- it's kind of the problem because we see that he gets shot in the shoulder, so you think, okay, that's a mortal wound. But at the same time, he's a- he's still able to lift the, uh, this old man out of the prison a- after yeah. getting shot. So I don't think the movie does a good job if that's the m- meaning they wanted to get that's across that Razak was going to die. There is also there is also one uh, a problem with the ending as well that I've that I've just realized as well. Uh, there, I thought one of the best scene, one of the better scenes, a more hopeful scene was when Shazia and Parvana are talking about wh- about the dream of Shazia's dream to eventually see the see the see a great beach and sell stones next to it, and they have this really powerful scene where you know the war. She know Parvana knows she's going to go to Mazar Sharif, and and Shazia is going to be staying with her abusive father, and she she makes a promise of in twenty years. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll see you at that. Be- I'll see you at this beach in twenty years' time. And I thought, well, that's just a really great, powerful ending, and that's really touching and sort of sad in a way because she she's leaving for a kind of sort of better life. Meanwhile, Shaozi has to stay is basically a prisoner in the city because she can't deal with her father. And then you realize that she's not really going to Baza Sharif. She's going to be back with her family. They're probably going to head back to Kabul. I felt it kind of neutralized that that scene a bit. Well, we don't actually. Thing- Know where they're going, so that's kind that, of the problem. And that thing cemented me even more that Shermanshi was going to die in this movie because that seems like such a cliche, tropey thing. Like when these like two characters make this like this this pact, normally one of them ends up dead. Like if you saw like Forrest Gump, for example, like Steve, stop well, trying to kill Shazia off. Stop it. <laughs> and and don't you drag Forrest Gump into this. He's a good boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I I do think that the realism of just leaving this wide open, you, you don't know where Parvana and her family are heading. You don't know what happened to Shazia throughout this war and all. So, But I think leaving it all, all entirely ambiguous up to the imagination of the viewer, that fits entirely with the tone of this movie, which is just like, this is real life. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. You don't know if you're going to be alive the next day. You and, don't know where you're going to live the next day. And, and that, that's what? kind of the, the, mess, the, the tone of this entire movie. And so uh, I, I accept that going along with the and that uh, to me that actually makes that scene more powerful of them saying goodbye because really although you're you're making the promise in twenty years there's no guarantee that's actually going to happen even with the semi happy ending you get at the end of this movie. You know a scary thing though is I feel like it's very easily that the little brother can grow up to be an extremist like uh, what's well, his why, name? Why are you so pessimistic? I don't know. Like, this movie doesn't have to think that way. I thought. I thought. For Stop sure. it. This this movie is meant to instill some kind of positivity into the into the viewer. Like, uh, admittedly, it's a very realistic tone of like, okay, bad things are happening, but there are glimmers of hope. And like, uh, 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 sorry, but <laughs> but it's just like it's a. It, like I think this movie does a good job in it showing that while there are very negative parts of society that exist there, there are also people who have heart. There are people who are willing to help out, uh, even at at sometimes at personal risk, and that that that's a beautiful thing to come out of this movie, even if it's a bit hidden yeah. in the in the overarching theme of okay, we're in the uh, Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. 
but the, the, we know how the story goes in real life. But seeing focus on these fam on these families, you get a real sense of uh, of of hope, and that that's just something that's very it's very nice to see, and something that I don't think goes with the whole pe pessimistic view of okay, right. well they're gonna die no matter what. So what did, what yeah. does the story? And mean? also, and I will, and, and I, but I will say as well, adding on to what Alex said is also that the point of this movie is also to show you. A, a group of people who often are characterized as the Taliban and it shows you that there are so many more people than that. There's so much more than that than that stereotype. And there are people who are hopeful, there are people who are kind and and um I I wanted to finish off this podcast reading off kind of this last little bit of of dialogue in the film with that I think is like the thesis of this movie. Um, which is like, we are a land whose, quote, we are a land whose people are its greatest treasures. We are at the edges of empires at war with each other. We are Ariana, the land of the noble. Raise your words, not your voice. Which I think is like beautiful. It's just beautiful words put to string together. And I mean, we could talk about like, oh, it's not dark enough or oh, it's, it's, it, people don't die, but it's, it's a war film or whatever. But I think the point of this movie is to show people and to show and to and to expect to expect and there is tragedy and it is dark the fact is like yeah maybe they don't die but they still there is suffering involved and that to, to value to put to place death above suffering in terms of tragedy i just find that to i don't know i just don't agree with that but um but yeah so that's all for this podcast. You can find out all the info on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. Join us on Discord to text chat about animation at an OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. Support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Damien, a.k.a. Diamond Day. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Take care. All right.